that was a serious family talk, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm scared. But yeah, I agree. We've got to do better, don't we? But it's great to see you all here. Great to um, have people watching online with us this morning. Who's been enjoying our season two Bible study of First John? Three people. Who's been enjoying our uh, season two Bible study of First John? Yeah. It's a small book, only five chapters, but a powerful book where John discovers and uncovers the love of God for what it really is, radical and life-changing. And in the first week of this collection of talks, Pastor Josh kicked it off with an awesome message about life in the light and how God is light and he's pure, he's powerful, and he has a purpose for each one of you. And that we were in the darkness, but because of the life of Jesus, we've been brought into the light. And then last week was a really challenging message on wasted love and how love for the world, love for the way of the world, the world's kind of thinking, drives out love for the Father. But love for the Father drives out love for the world. And that's just our two Sunday messages. Hopefully you've been working your way through your journal in a connect group or by yourself and God's been actually showing you his love for you personally. So who's got their journal with them this morning? Give me a wave. Looks like this. Open it up to week three, and that's where you can take notes. And if you haven't got a journal, you can take notes anywhere you like. Because research shows that those who take notes have 96% more chance of getting their sins forgiven. So there you go. So I know you lot, you need to take notes this morning. So here we go. Let's jump in. We're looking at chapter 3 this morning. 1 John chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading at verse 11. For this is the original message we heard. We should love each other. We must not be like Cain, who joined the evil one and then killed his brother. And by the way, his brother's name was Abel, not Abraham. <laughs> and why did he kill him? Because he was deep in the practice of evil, while the acts of his brother were righteous. So don't be surprised, friends, when the world hates you. This has been going on a long time. The way we know we've been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know very well that eternal life and murder don't go together. If you haven't found this out, John's a straight shooter. Yeah. Says it like it is. And I want to speak for the next few moments on this thought from death to life. Turn to the person next to you and say, from death to life. That was to get you from sleep to awake. <laughs> Would you pray with me this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence that is here with us. Thank you, God, that you want to meet with each one of us personally this morning. You want to speak to each one of us personally this morning. And I ask, Father God, that your word goes forth and brings life, brings hope, brings strength, brings comfort, brings healing, brings joy this morning into the hearts of your people. We want your presence. We want your word to transform our hearts and minds. So we open our ears and we open our hearts this morning to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, our, our world is kind of infatuated with the notion of love. We're kind of in love with the idea of love. But often that love is a soft kind of uh, fairy tale, hallmark kind of love. 
And there's nothing wrong with that kind of love. I, I want the farmer to find a wife. But, 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 you know, there's more to love than that. How many of us know that when we practice living a life of love, it can be complicated? It can be hard work. It can be inconvenient. It can be even controversial. Sometimes, I think, it's easier to love God than it is to love you bunch. I mean, God doesn't smell. God doesn't have bad breath. God isn't rude. God doesn't repay kindness with evil. Way easier to love God. Or is it? Because the Bible tells us that the two are inseparable. The two are connected. You can't say you love God and not love people. And you can't truly love all people without fully experiencing the love of God that he has for you personally. That his love is for you. That his love is around you. That his love is within you. That his love is unconditional. That it's steadfast. That it's accessible. God is love. Love is God. And that's how John starts this chapter. Chapter 3, verse 1. This is what he says. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. See, when you understand that God loved you first and has given you all the love you need to love others, it doesn't matter that one day you feel like loving and the next day you don't. It doesn't matter that feelings come and go. You can stay in the fight for love because you understand that the love God has for you and the love God has put inside of you never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It endures forever. God's love endures forever. I love that word endure. It's a strong word. It's not a soft, flaky word. It means to never give up, to suffer patiently. So God's love in you endures through the season when you feel like you just can't give any love anymore. It endures through the season when you just don't feel like loving that person. God's love endures forever. And it's a more than enough kind of love. See, there's no scarcity in God's love. God's love always says there's room for more at the table. God invites the broken, the oppressed, the marginalized. He invites everyone to his table to come and receive healing and restoration in his love. And guess what? It's that more than enough kind of love that has been given to us as Jesus followers. Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through Christ Jesus. I love the way Peterson puts it in the message. He says, there's not enough containers to hold the love that God has poured so generously into his people. How good is that? The love of God is in your heart. So what does it practically look like to love others? So here's where you take notes. Remember, get your sins forgiven. Number one, to love is to give. To love is to give. 1 John 3, 16 to 18 says this. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his love, his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? 
it disappears. And you made it disappear. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. See, John pleads with us here. He says, don't just talk about love. Don't let love be this abstract theory, this kind of pie-in-the-sky idea. But put my love into practice. Show my love by the way that you behave, by the way that you treat others. John goes on to say, if you don't, you make God's love disappear. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? I know if I, for one, don't want to make God's love disappear. I want to make God's love appear. Are you giving God's love away? Because to love is to give. It's the very reason why we do our Love My Mandra initiatives. Why we reach into the solo mums in our community, the homeless, our local primary school, Reno Rescues, and we could go on and on. Because we believe that we are called to be hope traffickers in our community. We are called to traffic God's hope, traffic God's love. And that is the way that we make God's love appear in our community. We don't want God's love to disappear in our community, do we? We want to love on our city because we believe that when we love on our city, God can change our city. We believe that when we love on our city, God can transform the hearts of the people in our city and turn their hearts to his love. Do you believe it this morning? We've got to show God's love. God's love is able to move people from death to life. We've just got to show up and put his love into action. Now you might be in a connect group. If you're not, sign up afterwards because we're meant to do life together. But you might be in a connect group and someone's not well in your connect group and you send them some flowers or you make them a meal. Guess what? In that moment, God's love appears. You might simply text someone during the week because you know they're going through a hard time or you're celebrating with them because they've had a win in life. God's love appears. You might write your child a letter in Transform Cambodia. God's love appears. Let's make God's love appear. To love is to give. Turn to the person next to you. Say, to love is to give. Now, there's another type of giving required as Jesus followers, and that is to forgive. Forgiveness is a gift that you give someone, but it's also a gift that you give yourself. Lewis Smead put it this way. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Because when you give the gift of forgiveness, you release yourself from that prison of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. Aaron and I, it's my husband down here, the good-looking one on the front row, we got married 30... No, not you, Josh. We got married 34 years ago. 35 in January. January the 18th, 1986. Aaron's better with dates than I am. A long time ago. It was a beautiful summer's day. Everyone was dressed up. There was romantic music playing. Love was in the air. I was marrying the man of my dreams. And we exchanged vows, and they were strong vows. And we meant them from the bottom of our heart. We were pledging our love to one another. But you know, those vows depended on our ability to forgive one another, especially me. I mean, I had to forgive him for leaving the lid off the toothpaste, for leaving his clothes on the bathroom floor, for putting the water back in the fridge empty. I mean, who can, who can relate here? I need some support here, ladies. I mean, 70 times 7, that's a, that's a big call, isn't it? 
You know what they say about marriage? They say it's a relationship of two people. One that's always right and the other's a husband. So there you go. I have the microphone this morning. Seriously though, unforgiveness is like a wedge that can find itself into relationships, not just marriage relationships, relationships right across the board. And if it's left there, it can slowly break down the relationship until it's completely demolished. Forgiveness is a gift. Give it away. But if I'm honest, and it's Sunday, so I need to be honest today, sometimes I think that it's not that fair that I have to forgive someone. I kind of say to God, do you know what they did to me? I mean, do you know what they said about me? And they haven't even said sorry, and it hurts. It's not fair that I have to forgive them. Anyone else relate? But you know what? Grace isn't fair. And aren't you glad it isn't? Because I would be in big trouble if grace was fair. Because I'd have no hope, no forgiveness, no eternal life. Because fairness deals with punishment and reward. You get what you deserve with fairness. Guess what? Grace, you get what you don't deserve. Aren't you glad that God is a God of grace? Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4 says, If you, God, kept records of wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit, and that's why you're worshipped. Let's make forgiveness our habit as Jesus' followers. And as we choose to give God's love away, our life will flourish. Because number two, to love is to gain. Turn to the person next to you while I have a drink and say, to love is to gain. 1 John 3, 19-24. This is the only way we'll know we're truly living, truly living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we're bold and free before God. We're able to stretch our hands out and receive what we ask for, because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. See, when you choose to love others, you gain your proper place. John clearly explains it here, that as we choose to love others, then we can go into the very presence of God, being confident that our life truly matters. It's purpose. And we're all looking for purpose, aren't we? Now, you might be making gains in life. might be making relationship gains, financial gains, gains on the stock market, gains on your Facebook likes. You might be making all sorts of gains in life, but those gains can disappear with the blink of an eye. The gains can turn into losses at the blink of an eye. Crash of a stock market, a relationship going sour, a bad health diagnosis. Gains turn to losses. But guess what? The love that God has for you and the love that you give away, nothing can take that from you. It's a gain that the world can't give you and the world can't take from you. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 10. He said, those who try to gain their own life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. See, whatever your profession is, your ultimate calling is to love God with your heart and soul and mind and to love others 
as yourself. And as you do, your life will gain. To love is to give. To love is to gain. Has to be a G. Number three, to love is to grow. To love is to grow. Verse 14 of chapter 3 says, The way we know we've been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. It's powerful, isn't it? Now, we often speak about that salvation moment, the moment we say yes to Jesus. Yes, I want to follow after you. And in a spiritual sense, it's when we were dead in our sins and then Jesus laid his life down for us and now we are alive in Christ and we have the promise of eternal life. That is based on grace. Nothing you can do to deserve it, nothing you can do to earn it. It is a free gift, full stop. But you can walk out these doors and be be, um, assured of your eternal salvation but still choose to hold on to a bit of bitterness and a bit of, forgiveness, a bit of unforgiveness, a bit of greed, a bit of selfishness. In other words, you can choose to cling on to a bit of death, if you want. But John goes one step further in this passage by saying that to walk in the fullness of all God has for you in this life happens as you choose to love God And to love others. And as you do, you are transformed from death to life. What might that look like? Well, perhaps you've been a person that's always judged others. You kind of know what people are doing and you know what you would do in that circumstance. And you have an opinion about that. And then the Holy Spirit starts to work on the inside of you. And you start to see that actually people do have a story. And you don't always know the whole story. And so you start to move from the seat of judgment into the seat of mercy and compassion. And you let God do what only God can do. Guess what? A little bit of death falls off and a little bit more life of Christ is formed in you. You might be a person that's just been living your life kind of for yourself. Getting your agenda met, getting your needs met kind of world revolves around you and the Holy Spirit starts to move on the inside of you and you start to see people in a new light and you start to see people around you that actually are in need and you start to move towards them with compassion and give God's love away might be your time your talent your treasure guess what in that moment a little bit of death falls off and a little bit more life of Christ is formed in you You see, as you practice loving others, you no longer are the person you used to be, but you are transformed from death to life one step at a time, one love after another. Because to love is to grow. (laughs) To love is to give, to love is to gain, and to love is to grow. But how many of us know that when you actually choose to give love away, it can be really inconvenient. And I think Jesus perfectly illustrated this in a parable that he told in response to a religious scribe that came to Jesus and he said, Teacher, what do I do, need to do to find eternal life? And Jesus turns to him and as Jesus often did, he answers this question with another question. He said, well, what does the law say? Because he knew this guy was an expert in the Mosaic law. And so the guy says, well, it means to love 
the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right, spot on. Now go and do it. And that's when the guy gets a little bit worried because he's like, oh, I know I really hate the Samaritans. I mean, I, we don't associate with them. They're, they're just outcasts. And so he, he wants to narrow down the parameters of what a neighbor means because a neighbor in the Greek meant those you associate with. Well, I don't associate with the Samaritans, so maybe I'm safe here. So he says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a parable. He said there was a guy going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he got attacked by robbers and he got bashed up and left on the side of the road to die. And Jesus says, along comes a priest, a holy man. He's on his way to church. And he sees the guy on the side of the road and he's like, oh, I'm going to be late for church. It's way too inconvenient. And he keeps going. This is bronze paraphrase version, by the way. Then Jesus says, a Levite guy comes along, another religious guy. But, I mean, he's a clean, pure man. He doesn't want to get his hands messy and he keeps going. Finally, along comes a Samaritan. Remember the, the one that's outcast? The one that's hated? And guess what? The Samaritan stops. And Jesus says, I love these words. He says, he sees the man and he moves towards him with compassion. And he mends his wounds and he puts him on his donkey. And he takes him to a place to get looked after. And he pays all the costs for him to look after. He goes over and above. And then Jesus turns to the scribe and he says, Now who do you say the neighbor is? And you can just imagine the guy squirming by this time. And he's like, he can't even bring himself to say Samaritan. He says, oh, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says these powerful words. He says, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. And those words of Jesus are resounding to us this morning. He says to us, now go and do the same. Yes, it might cost you something. It most likely will. Yes, it could be inconvenient. It could be messy. But as you practice loving and giving my love away, your life will gain and your life will grow. And someone else's life will gain and someone else's life will grow. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God himself didn't just talk about love. The Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit didn't just sit up in heaven and have this conference about love and let's just discuss love. No, the Father demonstrated his love. He showed his love for each one of us by sending Jesus. And there's no more perfect illustration of inconvenient love than the Son of God would leave the perfection of heaven and come to earth as a man and walk along each Along aside, um, alongside each of us in our messy lives and ultimately surrender his life to the cross for you and for me so that we might enter into that love relationship with Jesus. And it would be remiss of me if I didn't give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you've never actually said yes I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I want to receive that free gift of his unconditional love in my life. So we're going to pray in a moment. And if you want to join in with that, if you want to say yes to Jesus, then I invite you to join in with this prayer that we're going to pray now. So would you all bow your heads and repeat after me. Dear God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus 
to die on a cross for me, to forgive me of my sins, and to wash me as white as snow. I ask forgiveness for all that I've done that has been against your ways. And I choose to follow you this morning. Come into my life and lead my life. In Jesus' name, amen.